On the show today, Rich and I discuss Barbie, Oppenheimer, and the Whiskey Smash Cocktail. I'm your host, Brad Jackson, and you're listening to the July 31st, 2023 edition of Coffee & Co. Sean. So, Rich, the two hottest movies in the theater right now are Barbie and Oppenheimer, two things that you would not necessarily put together. Uh, no. You have seen one. I have seen the other. Um, before we get to Barbie, let's talk briefly about Oppenheimer. This is uh, Christopher Nolan's latest. It is every bit of three hours, um, though I will say it is so frenetic and so uh driving there's there's almost like a drumbeat to it that um i didn't notice that it took three hours um i never once looked away from the screen um i was just enthralled uh i've got to say this is a movie you have to see in a movie theater there aren't many of those left uh but this is one of them find it see it on the biggest screen you can find if you can find it on 70 millimeter uh, IMAX in your area. There aren't a lot of those these days. But if you can find one of those, see it there. But um, it is, every bit of it is incredible. The acting is stellar. Um, The soundtrack is wonderful. Um, And uh, the cast is absolutely ridiculous. It has everybody and their dog in it. Uh, Even like little roles that, barely have a speaking line are played by actors or actresses. You would know Um, it is absolutely incredible. And um, because it's a Christopher Nolan movie, uh, it doesn't move sequentially or, or in a normal fashion, (laughs) but um, it is so well done. And this is one of those movies. I think that people are going to come back to, I really want to go rewatch it because I feel like you, you, you have to absorb this movie. <laughs> and so I think it, it uh, necessitates a couple rewatchings to, to get all of it uh, in there. But uh, it's one of, it's interesting because the other mentioned, the other movie we mentioned is the Barbie movie. These both came out the same weekend. Uh, there were a lot of people that did the, the, both movies in the same day. They would go see Barbie and then Oppenheimer or Oppenheimer and then Barbie. Um, I'm not really sure how you do that, but um, there were people who did. Uh, but it's interesting because these are two very, very, very different movies that both had huge opening weekends and have done consistently well at the box office. Um, Oppenheimer is this this one sort of idea, and then Barbie is another. You wrote a great piece on what this Barbie movie was that was at the Federalist. Uh, it even got quoted in the New York Times. So congratulations for making the New York Times. Thank you. Um, I would push the uh, applause button, but I don't know which one of these colored <laughs> things it is. So um, it is, uh, it, it, it's interesting though, because like you, I thought the Barbie movie was going to be a sort of fun sort of Lego movie, right? Where, you know, when we all saw the Lego movie, Lego Lego knew what it was like the people in the, in the movie knew what they were. They were Legos. And I kind of thought that that's where they were going to go with this Barbie movie. But as you indicated, that is not the case, correct? That is correct. It is not that type of movie. And 
the thing about it is a, a lot of the trailers and the publicity surrounding it prior to the release pointed in that direction. Now, before we get going, I have to say that, you know, while quoted in the New York Times, I was uh, lumped in with a group of people who were very angry about the movie. And I specifically said in my piece that I am not angry about it. But as someone who looked forward to taking my 10-year-old daughter for like a year to this movie, because I've watched uh, Barbie Life in the Dream House, which is available on Netflix, which is just a great animated show. And I've watched this with all three of my daughters. And I kind of thought that was the direction that the movie was going to go in. And so going, we didn't go on opening day. We went on the Friday and seeing this movie that instead, uh, as I joked in my piece, you know, I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. But I, I didn't go in my backyard and uh, burn Barbie dolls as some people have done or any of that. You know, uh, Greta Gerwig is free to make the movie that she wants why she chose to make a movie that being generous, I I've read a lot about it. There have been a lot of think pieces around this movie based on Barbie. And I've read some from some, uh, some millennial moms, uh, 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 I'm forgetting who, uh, wrote one, a uh, Mary Harrington wrote it unheard that it was really a great film for millennial moms about coming into their own and this and that. So that's all fine. But I don't know why you had to use a Barbie movie to make that point. Why did you make a movie that would appeal to children thinking it was going to be fun when it's really a movie that's made for, you know, 30 to 40 year old moms? You know, that's a good question because I feel like so many kids movies today just do that. And it's sort of the ham fisted way that Pixar used to work and Pixar has fallen into this trap as well. But if you go back and you watch the original like Toy Story movies, for instance, right? If you're a kid, you see one thing in that movie. If you're an adult, you see another. But it is it is uh, it is a kid's movie, right? I mean, the Toy right. Story movies are kids movies and you can you can feel safe taking your kids to those movies. There's nothing that's going to get you in trouble by have, having them see that movie. But if you're an adult, for instance, like the first time you see Toy Story 3 as an adult, if you don't cry at the end, you are a soulless human being. Because like that whole scene where they're in the the uh, melting thing and they're all yeah. going to die and they, they grab hands or whatever. Like, oh, my God, that just kills you. And when he hands over the toys back to uh, the girl down the street because he's going to college and he wants them to be played with and all that. Yes. stuff, Oh, my God, that gets me. But um Kids don't get that part, right? So they're right. they're two, they're really like two parts to those uh, early Pixar movies that are that are so well done. But now kids' movies are all adult movies, and they all seem to like be lecturing you, right? Right, and that's what I took away from Barbie. And you know, I'm not going to get into all the specifics of it. You know, is it a, a you know a man hating movie? Is it a subtly conservative movie about the plight of modern women? You know. My point and my frustration is, why do we have to have these conversations about a movie about a plastic doll? It, to me, it felt like, 
or it feels like, you know, when you go to like a, a museum or an art gallery and you see something ultra modern that you just can't make sense of. And it's, you know, just a couple of lines on a canvas or something, but then you look at the description on the wall next to the painting and it's like five paragraphs. If you need that much additional text to explain <laughs> to me what I just saw, then you failed. That's a good point. So that's that really my complaint, but, and why I was just so let down. I, I really wanted to have fun. I wanted it to be something that I would want to buy and it would become one of those movies that goes in the rotation. And I expected it to kind of straddle the line, like to go back to Pixar. Another great example is up, which, you know, if you're watching yes. the beginning of that movie with your kids, you know, and it's just like, they can't understand why it would make a dad, you know, or a, a mom just so sad to begin this movie watching, you know, them unable to have a child and have this whole life together. And then she passes away, but it was done in a way that a kid would never really understand what had happened to the couple and up. It's just like, okay, there's been some things happen and now he's going to tie a bunch of balloons to his house. Right. Right. But so I guess the question is, when did we get away from that and why? Because you're right, Up, uh, Toy Story, um, uh, even a lot of the, the Disney proper animated movies, you, you get a lot, of out, a, lot of, a lot out of that as an adult and a child. When did we just say, like, nope, all kids' movies are adults' movies, we're all going to lecture to you at all these things? I don't know. And it, it's been a very recent change, and it's come you know hollywood has always sought to impart different values and without going down the rabbit hole of all that but they've done it more subtly and it's almost like the the problem isn't that they're still trying to do that but they've lost the ability to be subtle about it they feel the need to bludgeon us rather than entertain <laughs> us whilst sneaking a couple of little things in there for the adults and you know or, or the kids to maybe pick up on later when they go back and rewatch it. Well, but see, the thing is like, I think that makes the movie less enjoyable because I would agree. like, if you look at those, I, I keep going back to these early Pixar movies, but I think they're a great example of this. If you look at uh, up, you look at toy story, you look um, at uh, Wally, all these sort of movies, you get more, you, you get a kid's movie and it's a great kids movie and the kids love it. And afterwards the kids want to buy all the toys and the kids want to buy all the t-shirts and all the, that stuff. And they love it and they talk about it and they rewatch it ad nauseum, but the adults get something out of it too. And it's not, it's not in any sort of lecture or anything. It's not like beating you over the head. Like you mentioned, it's in the subtle ways that you can tell two stories at once. And, uh, I mean, you and I are both we're both writers. We're both storytellers in a sense. And I, I think it, I don't know, maybe maybe it, it's obviously harder to do that. Maybe Hollywood has just gotten lazy and they just thrown that all out the window and said, no, we're just going to straight up lecture to you. Yeah, and it could also be a problem that we discussed when we were uh, covering Wes Anderson's latest in that some of the producers and the production houses, they they seem to have lost the ability to say no. And, you know, you and I both have editors and editors and publishers, producers. These are people who can help 
the creatives, the artists, shape their work up. And it seems we're in this weird spot where when people get enough indie cred or whatever, no one will say no to them. They just let them do whatever rather than serving as uh, that sort of mentor and manager to help guide and shape the work into something great as we've seen for decades and decades come out of Hollywood and, and Nashville and Los Angeles. And, you know, whether you're talking music, music, movies, books, whatever, you've seen these people work to, to guide the artist. And it almost feels like artists are just being given free reign at this point. And sometimes it works like Christopher Nolan can do whatever he wants. And even though I haven't seen it, I know it's going to be a tremendous movie, but not everyone has that skill. No, no, you're right. They don't. And, um, you know, I think also it's it's an issue with personalities, too. Um, I think we've gotten to the point in Hollywood where the people doing the movie has have as big a personality as uh, or bigger than a lot of people in the movie. And um, that sometimes makes it harder, I guess, for studios to push back and and say no on things. But it I think it actually makes it more important for them to do so because like you said, an editor is, is a great thing. Um, you need someone to, so to, you know, pull back the reins every once in a while and say, Whoa, 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 whoa hold on. Well, so I've got an, an example here from Barbie and apparently there was a, a, a fart opera or something that was in the original screener. And the producers and everyone allowed Greta Gerwig to put this f extended fart joke into the original movie because apparently that's her thing. She likes to put a fart joke in every one of her movies, but it tested so poorly with audiences that they pulled it out. But you would think that logic would dictate like, hey, maybe a movie about Barbie for a little girl. And, you know, kids laugh at fart jokes. I get it. I'm not like anti-fart joke, but... It just, it seems like one of those things where it's like, hey, uh, we're, we're not going to spend the money to film this. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Maybe we should find something a little more subtle than a fart opera. Um, okay, so whether you see Barbie or whether you see Oppenheimer, afterwards, trust me, you are going to want a cocktail. And a quick, easy, refreshing summer cocktail right up that alley is the Whiskey Smash, right? That is correct. And I came across this, as, as people hear me say all the time on Instagram. Uh, I mean, it's a classic cocktail, but it's one I'd kind of just forgotten about. But we have just a little, we don't have a garden. We've got a little raised bed where we're growing some things. And mint is one of the things that's growing. And so I have mint, which goes into it. Have always have lemons around, always have bourbon around. And those are the basic ingredients for a whiskey smash. Now, I went in a slightly different direction than almost every recipe you will find online. And that's because I was being somewhat lazy and somewhat trying to avoid being wasteful. I don't use a lot of simple syrup. And it's one of those things that I make it and then, you know, three months later, it's like, oh, yeah, this is still in the fridge. And so I thought about the uh, Caprina that we discussed on the last episode and how I use the granulated sugar to help get some of the oils out of the lime uh, rind. So I'm like, eh, let's just use granulated sugar, white, white sugar instead of simple syrup. So you take three lemon wedges, you put them in the bottom of your shaker with uh, some of the 
with granulated sugar. And it's about, it's, it's a hefty bit. It's about three quarters of a tablespoon. And muddle that until you get all the juice out and everything. And then throw about eight or so mint leaves in and then muddle that. Add your uh, two ounces of bourbon and then dry shake that. And then add some ice and shake it up well. And then double strain it. I am not the double strainer guy. When you see these, you know, bartenders on the internet, they're always double straining to make sure there are no ice shards as they pour over their perfectly clear ice cube. I don't care about all that normally. However, double strain in this case, because you don't want those little bits of mint floating around in your glass and getting stuck in your mouth and whatnot. So... It is a delicious drink. It is a way to make bourbon appropriate for a hot afternoon. And it's a way to use some, you know, you've got some mint in your garden. And if you're not a gardener, it's pretty hard to kill mint. So it's a good thing to start with. So it's it's a classic that I highly recommend. And you know what? When we are all living amidst this uh, heat wave that is gripping everywhere, <laughs> something like that sounds perfect. For a, for a, a weekend a, uh, afternoon. Like that sounds right up my alley. Yes. And I will add one thing I forgot. I am normally not big on superfluous uh, garnishes for mint drinks, whether you're making, you know, a julep or something like the whiskey smash. I do recommend cutting a little snip uh, with a couple of the leaves of mint that you can garnish your glass with so that you get that aroma while you're drinking. Absolutely. No, I think that's a very good point because you don't just drink with your mouth. You drink with your nose. Um, yes. And <clears throat> something like that. That's a good touch. Um, all right. So there you go. When you get back from seeing Barbie and you're disappointed or you get back from seeing Oppenheimer and you're dumbstruck, uh, you absolutely need a cocktail. And that is the cocktail for you. Yes. Um, uh, when I came back from Oppenheimer, I had both a cocktail and a cigar because I just needed to like process <laughs> so something like that right up the alley <laughs> all right rich always a pleasure thanks so much hey thank you brad